So this morning we're continuing the series Leverage. Uh, Pastor David started last week, and we're uh, we're going to be talking. To, we're going to be in Matthew chapter nineteen uh, this morning. Matthew chapter nineteen. And the subject is levering, leveraging. That's a mouthful. Your life for God's children. And so as we talk about that to this morning, I think this is a really uh, amazing passage. It's a very brief and short passage. Uh, it's actually a passage that's skipped over a lot of times. You don't see a lot of people preach it. We talk about the subject of children and what Jesus says about children all the time, but you don't often hear it preached, but um, I think it's uh, very fitting for us, and, and uh, I'm very glad as the family pastor to be able to come and share that with you guys this morning. So Matthew chapter 19, and we're going to be in verses 13 through 15. In verse 13, it says, Then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, Let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. So it's a very short passage this morning, but it's a very full passage. And you know, what I, what I love about this passage, like I said, even though it's skipped over many times, it's, it's an important passage. We know this from Scripture for a couple of reasons. One, the most important reason we know this is because it's actually recorded in three out of the four Gospels, which is a big deal. Uh, anytime we see uh, different uh, things recorded multiple times throughout the Scripture, we know that's important, that it's repeated over and over again, and that we see it, in the, and actually the way it's repeated is very important too. And so I'm actually going to be referencing some of the other places um, that it's referred to, Mark chapter 10 and also Luke chapter 18, uh, also helps us and kind of gives us a little bit more understanding about uh, this passage and what God would have us to learn from this passage. Um, but what's amazing about this, uh, another thing that I think makes this a really important passage uh, is because this is uh, a, a question that I get um, quite often sometimes as a pastor uh, from people is what happens to children if they die, and this question, you know, I think we 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 would all love to think that you know children just go to heaven when they die, and most of us uh, probably do believe that, and and uh, and and most of us believe that because there's we have good intentions. We don't want to think that that was just the case. But where does the scripture speak to that? Where does the scripture speak to that? Not just our good intentions, and this is one of those places where the scripture does speak to that and does declare for us and gives us an understanding for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these, talking about children. And so, uh, and I actually, that's not what I'm preaching about this morning. I just think it's a, another reason why this is an important passage that we do study and that we look over. And so I even hesitated to mention that just because I know some people are already like looking down and they're trying to figure out what I'm talking about and that sort of thing. But I, I hope and trust that we'll focus on what God has in store for us this morning as we dive into uh, his word and as we learn from his, uh, from this and there's three very simple points that I want to share with you guys this morning. The first uh, thing that I want you guys to see here is that children need to be blessed by the Lord. Look with me here in the first part of verse 13. It says, then some children were brought to him so that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And so again, children need to be blessed by the Lord. And the reason that children need to be blessed by the Lord is because they're weak and they're helpless. I mean, you think about uh, children, and especially if you look into the context of this passage here, you know, there's many different uh, references to children in Scripture uh, all throughout the Bible, even just one chapter earlier, Jesus takes a child and he says he sets them before his disciples and, the, and those that were following him and he uses this child as an example and, uh, and he speaks to this, but he set this child, it kind of, it teaches us and helps us to understand that this was an older child, probably seven or eight, 
Uh, there's other places in the scripture where uh, just a few chapters ahead of this in Matthew chapter 21 where uh, there's children that go out and they, they take the palm fronds down. They lay them down at, the, at Jesus' feet as they enter into Jerusalem. And this are, these are children that are a little bit older. They're probably in their teens or something like that. But this uh, passage right here is referring to infants. When we're talking about children here this morning, the word that's used and the understanding and the context here, we understand that these are infants. And one of the things we know about infants, right, is they're helpless. They're needy. They need us. They need our help. And, and, and they need Jesus. You know, these, these children uh, that, that, that the scripture is talking about here, they need Jesus. They are without Christ and they need Jesus. And so there's this uh, amazing picture here that's painted of the parents, and this is my second point here, the parents and the church should bring their children to Jesus at an early age and teach them his ways. Parents and the church should bring their children to Jesus at an early age and teach him his ways. And so here's this understanding here. We go a little bit further into this and we begin to see, and if you look with me in the the second part of chapter 13 and verse 14, it says, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, let the children alone and do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And so there's two parts represented in, these two, in this verse and a half right here. The first part is the people and the second part is the church. And so the question here is, when it says in verse 13, it, say, it uses the words them and they, you have to ask yourselves the question, who is them who are them and who are they, you know, that they're talking about here? They're talking about parents. That's who are bringing these infant children. Those are the only ones that could take them to Jesus. And then we come to the church, and you have to ask the question, so who is the church in this passage? And unfortunately, it's the disciples. And the reason I say it's unfortunate is because their response was one that's very disappointing. But the reality is we look at this passage, and we see that it says the disciples, they rebuked them. I mean, this a, that's a strong word to rebuke them. These people who were followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, rebuked the parents who were bringing children to Jesus. That is not what we should look like as a church. That is not what we should look like as followers of Christ. And so the reality is disciples of Jesus should remove all hindrances from anybody and, but especially from keeping, that keep children from coming to Jesus. And, you know, and I think about that here at the church, here at, at Cross Point, and, and what that means. And you know, I sometimes ask myself, why do we make such a big deal out of children's ministry and family ministry at Cross Point Church? Um, and the reason we make such a big deal out of it is because of this passage right here. The reason we make such a big deal about family ministry, ministering to children from birth all the way to college age is because we understand the importance of not hindering children from coming to Jesus. We want to make sure that as disciples and followers of Christ, that we are not doing anything to hinder children from coming to know Christ. Amen? Amen. I mean, here's the reality, you guys. I, I think most of us would agree with this, but, but the reality is sometimes we do. And maybe, and maybe it's not a, 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 a very explicit thing. Maybe we're not just, you know, like the bouncer that's at the club that, you know, you try to get in and the guy's just a giant slab of meat there, you know, and you can't, maybe it's not like that. Maybe we're not blocking them at the doors, but maybe we're doing things or not doing things that are hindering them from coming to know Christ. I mean, the reality is Cross Point Church, one of the things I love the most about this church is because as a church, we do many things to lower that, to, to, to remove hindrances so that people can come to know Christ. I mean, all sorts of things that we do. And so 
we have even more of a responsibility to do that as children. You know, starting in uh, August, um, as the children's ministry here at Cross Point Church, we're going to be going through a lot of changes uh, as a ministry. And it's something that we've been praying about, we've been thinking about, we've been seeking God's face for guidance and vision, and, and we've been uh, planning and preparing and just doing everything that we can to prepare for what we know that God kind of started began to speak into our hearts. And I remember when we first start, I sat down with Rebecca, our children's ministry director, and we started having these conversations about changes that we need to make. And, and ultimately, you have to think about where we're coming from here. I, I'm, a, I'm a parent of children. I have three kids uh, that go to this church, that are part of this church. I have a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, and a two-year-old. And I have to ask myself the question, what is best for them? What is the best for them? As, as, not, not as a pastor, as a parent, I have to ask myself, what is best for my children in their relationship with Christ, and how can they best come to know Christ? And so as I've been thinking through that and, and, and looking into that as a parent for myself, we've really started to kind of examine what we do here at Cross Point Church and how we do it and why we do it and all those sorts of things. And God has really begun to reveal some changes that we want to make in order to do just this, to remove all hindrances from people and from children so they can come to know Christ. And so uh, there's a lot of changes that we're making in August. One of the biggest changes that we're making is we're going to be asking uh, people like you and others to step up and serve on a weekly basis in our children's ministry. You know, right now, kind of our model is people serve once or twice a month and that sort of thing. And that's a good thing. It, you know, our thought process initially was, well, it kind of keeps from uh, burnout and, and things like that. But uh, and it gives people an opportunity to serve in other places and so on and so forth. But again, when we ask ourselves the question, what is best for our children? What is best for our children? One of the things that we can see and we know is that it's best for our children to have someone who's there, that knows them from week to week on a, on a weekly basis, where they know them on a first-name basis, where the parents know the teacher and the teacher knows the parents on a first-name basis, where well, workers that work together on a weekly basis can build relationships with each other and build that team mentality and reaching out to others. This, this solves so many problems for us. It solves problems like separation anxiety. If you guys have ever dropped your kids off in a, in a room, you know, and, and there's uh, some really nice workers in there and they're strangers. And, and by the way, separation anxiety is one of those things where it's 90% the parent's fault and 10% the child's fault, you know. I mean, we're so thankful for you guys when you drop your kids off and then you come back just a few minutes later to check in on them and stick your head in the window so they can see you. They get so excited because they think it's time to go. And then you say, nope, not going. I'm leaving you again. I'm leaving you a second time. Appreciate that, guys. Thank you all so much for doing that. It really helps out with the separation anxiety. But the reality is part of the reason kids experience separation anxiety is because you're dropping them off with strangers. But if we have people, men and women, who serve these kids week in and week out and they know them and they're always there for them, it's the same kind of thing I had when I was growing up, and, and many of you probably have experienced as you were growing up, you had a Sunday school teacher or something like that who committed to them and knew them and knew them on a first-name basis, and you knew their parents. And, you know, uh, my Sunday school teacher growing up, she knew my name. She went to my birthday party. She bought me my first Bible. She led me to Jesus. And so that's what we're looking for and to build, and many of the other changes are changes we're making to our systems in order to make that where teachers can, can do just that. They can fully commit to to, to teaching these kids and ministering to them. And we just have to ask ourselves the question as a ministry, you know, whenever we sat down with Rebecca, it's a very nerve-wracking thing to think. Not only is this a dramatic difference, a dramatic change in the way that we're doing things as a ministry and as a church and ministering to our kids, 
Um, but it's also kind of scary because the question is, well, how many people are going to commit to serving week in and week out and making an impact in the lives of, of our children? And we have to, and, and the ultimate answer was, I don't know how many, but we're going to trust that God is in this and that he is moving in this. And I, I can just tell you, you know, it's one of those things where we step out on faith and we, and we start making these moves and we start talking to some of our leaders who are already serving and serving consistently and some of our superstars in our ministry and, you know, it's one of those things where God just kind of says to you, what were you worried about? Like, God has just made so many huge moves in the midst of that, and oh, so many open doors in the midst of that, and, but we, as we've approached people and talked to some of our existing workers, workers so that we, maybe we were concerned that they wouldn't take that extra step and, and take that extra mile, they, they know the sacrifice of what it means to be here week in and week out and and serving our kids, but they also understand the importance of it. And they've seen it, and they've captured that vision, and they've responded. And we've had over three dozen workers respond to this call that God has called us to. And so what I want to do real quick, I want to embarrass you guys if you did say yes. If you will, will you please stand up? I know there was uh, quite a few in the first service, and there's probably some in the second service. Y'all stand up for just a minute. We want to recognize you if you said yes. Stand up. All right, let's give them a big hand. Let me just tell you, you guys can be seated. We're just so thankful for them and so many others that are serving in our children's ministry. You know, one of the, thing, one of the changes uh, or things that we're continuing to add to our children's ministry um, in, in the fall is, is creating opportunities. I mean, the reality is maybe you're sitting here and you're listening to me talking and you're thinking, this, that's something I want to be a part of. I want to be a part of impacting children in that way. Well, let me just tell you, there's an opportunity for you to be a part. For you, uh, We're going to be in the reception office, the glass office on the corner out there in the lobby uh, available for you guys to talk to you, give you answer to your questions and things like that. I'm sure some of you have a lot of questions. Some of you are just sitting there thinking, there's no way I could do that. There's no way that I could commit to that each and every week. And, and to you, I would say there probably is. There probably is, but it does require a commitment, but it does require sacrifice. And that's what we're asking. And we're asking, unashamedly asking for that. The reality is anything that's worth doing is going to be difficult, but for us, we know that this is something that's best. These are removing hindrances so that our children can come to Jesus and know Jesus in a personal way. Now, maybe you're in here and you know for a fact that you cannot do it. One of the things I love about our children's ministry and just our church in general is that we offer opportunities for every person to serve. Even if you know right now that you cannot serve every single week, but you know that you would wanna serve once a month or twice a month, there's still plenty of opportunities and ways for you to serve and to minister our children. You know, I hear sometimes people say, well, I'm a mother, I have four children, the last thing I wanna do on a Sunday is go serve more kids. And don't get me wrong, that's not a, I, that, I am not lost on that, that thought process. You know, I wanna serve children, but I don't wanna do it seven days a week. Is there something else I can do? And we have many different opportunities to, for people to serve, even if you don't wanna have direct interaction with kids, even if, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm winking at you guys out there who are just, you know, for whatever reason, you're kind of scared maybe of the, of the stigma, you know, of, of what it looks like for men to serve in children's ministry. But there are places for every person in our church and every player to make an impact in our lives. The reality is we have a responsibility, guys. Disciples of Jesus should remove all hindrances that keep children from coming to know Jesus. Parents and the church should bring their children to Jesus in an early age. We do not need to be like these disciples that just didn't get it. 
Now the reality is you gotta, you, we have, sometimes we say to ourselves, well, that's just crazy. They don't get that. Well, these, these people were with Jesus. They were followers of Jesus. Like they could touch him and walk around behind him and stuff like that. So why is it that they made those mistakes? But let's not fool ourselves into thinking that we don't do the same thing. That we, we get too comfortable in our walk and our relationship. And, you know, there, there's far too many people in this room that have been coming here and attending here for weeks or months or maybe years. And you've been sitting on the, in that chair and you've been warming that seat for us. But you've not been serving and doing what God has called you to do. You've been being filled up and being, being uh, uh, served, but not serving. But here's an opportunity for us to reach children. So the question is, are we gonna do that? Is that the, are we willing to make the, the, the sacrifice to do that? Maybe it's weekly, maybe it's something different, but whatever the case may be, if you guys have questions, I wanna encourage you guys, come and talk to us, you know, uh, I, I do want to clarify two things just to make sure everybody understands. So we've had a few people ask when we're talking about serving weekly. They say, well, does that mean, like, what about vacation? Like, I can't go on vacation? No. You can never go on vacation. You can never stay homesick. Bring your sick kids. You bring yourself sick. Of course, of course. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about, though, is a commitment to these children in this room, to loving on these kids and walking with them through this phase of their life, whether it be uh, from a bed baby to one plus or from a two-year-old to a three-year-old, holding these little precious gifts, holding them by the hand and walking with them through these amazing phases of their life. All of us who have kids know the phases that our children go through and and, uh, what it takes to, to walk with them through those phases. And here's the reality. Most of those phases that we walk with them through we don't go through again. So we have one shot to do it right. As parents and as the church, we have one shot to, to do it right. And so I'm asking for all of us to contribute to doing that and, and contribute to, to bringing these children at an early age to Jesus and teaching them his ways. And finally, the last point I wanna point out to you guys here is in uh, verse 15. The Lord wants to bless children. The Lord wants to bless children. Look what you hear in verse 15 of uh, Matthew 19. It says, uh, after laying his hands on them, he departed from there. And I want to read Mark chapter 10. This is uh, the accompanying passage just to kind of give you guys a little bit more insight to that. It says, and he took them in his arms and began blessing them, laying his hands on them. This this passage tells me right here that the Lord wants to bless children. Look at at this passage right here, the the amazing (laughs) compassion. Excuse me. The amazing compassion, the intimacy with which he embraces these children, the, that he scoops them up into his arms and he lays his hands on them and he blesses them. I mean, you have to understand, guys, that there's a couple of things that are in play here that make this a very unusual account. The first thing is, it was not unusual for parents to take their children to a rabbi for a blessing, okay? That was a very common occurrence in these days. It was something that was uh, very much something that they did. It was something very similar to what we do, kind of like with our baby dedications and things like that, you know, asking for the church to come along beside them. But what, here's what's very interesting about that is, there, no rabbi would, would lower himself to the place where he would pick up a child and embrace the child. He might pronounce his blessing upon the child, but he would not embrace them and love on them in the way that Jesus is doing. And the second thing we need to see here, if you go back in, this, in Matthew chapter 19, go all the way back to verse two, you see this. He says, at this point, there was a crowd gathered around. 
a huge crowd. You know, we see different places in scripture. We talk about crowds that are gathering, but the word that's used here describes a, a mega crowd, not just a few hundred people like maybe right here, but thousands of people at this point. Jesus, because of his teaching, he was teaching on marriage and the sanctity of marriage. He was teaching on life and he was all these words in red. Matthew 19 is just full of amazing stuff from Jesus. And so as he's preaching all this, this crowd is amassing because they're hearing things they had never heard before. He was preaching with authority and with power, and yet he lives in a culture where it was not, it was, it was beneath him as a rabbi or as, as a teacher to embrace the child, but he took this opportunity to pull them up into his arms in front of thousands of people. And he set the tone and he changed people's minds about what it meant to minister to him. What does it even say? Just one verse before this, it says uh, the disciples, uh, they were rebuking the parents who were bringing them. And, and Mark chapter 10 tells us that, that he, had, he, had, he, was, he was angry at his disciples. You know, he was not saying, he was breaking the status quo. That the, sta- the disciples understood this. This was the status quo. Don't, don't you know, put this kid in his lap. You know, let him do his blessing thing and just go on, but that's not what happened here. And so he, he, all of this points together that Jesus wants to bless children. You know, it was definitely countercultural what he was doing, but he showed great love to these children in spite of that, in spite of the countercultural message. And so we come to the point in our message where we have to ask a very important question. So what? <laughs> Hold on a minute. That's true, we... That's the question we have to ask ourselves. We have to ask ourselves, so what? Y'all want one, two, three? So what? That's better. That's good. Yeah, here, here's the reality. If you're visiting with us, you're wondering what am I talking about? You know, for me personally, just as a person, not a pastor, not a parent, when I read scripture, when I look into God's word, I always ask myself this question. You know, so the scripture tells us something to do, and then I have to ask myself, so what? And not, not in some sort of irreverent or flippant way, but I have to ask myself the question, okay, so God's word says this, so what does this mean for me? How should I live based on what I've seen? How, should, how now should I live? I mean, here's the thing, guys. You know, we look at this and, and these three points, right? I don't think, I think we'd be hard-pressed to find anybody in this room that would disagree with these things. We know, right, that, that children need to be blessed by the Lord, Amen. I mean, we know that. We know that parents in the church should bring their children to Jesus at an early age and teach them his ways. I mean, if you can't agree with that, then I need to talk to you afterwards, okay? We know this, and we would all agree on these things. We even know that the Lord wants to bless his children. So if we know these things and we agree with these things, and we have to ask ourselves the question, so what? What does this mean for us? How do, we, how do we leave out of here today and do something different than when we came in here today? How does this change our lives? And the question for me is answered in, in verse 14, if you wanna turn with me there. <clears throat> it says, Jesus says, let the children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. You know, as I was thinking about this and I was just asking a very sincere, so what? I, one of the questions that kind of came up in my mind is, is why? Why do we have children the way that we do? I 
you know, uh, me and my life group, we're having, we're going through conversations, we're having conversations about Genesis lately. One day we kind of just quick question came up and then it turned into more and, and and then we're just kind of having these conversations about Genesis, and it's been so, it's been fun. It's been great as a life group to kind of look into Genesis and see from God's word and to hear from God's word. It's been, it's been fun to see uh, people's mind blown by, you know, things that they see that maybe they didn't know. You know, it's crazy to watch people, you know, Jesus, when he, or God, when he created light, God, you know, he said, let there be light, and there was light. And oftentimes we picture that light as light from the sun or the moon or the stars, but it's not. We find out if you look in scripture that God created light on day one, but he created the sun, the moon, and the stars on day three. And you're like, oh, what? And it's just interesting just to, to ask the, what it, so where, what is that light? And where did it come from? And God made it. That's where it is. And that's where it came from. And there's other interesting things that we've learned, you know, that Adam and, and not just Adam, but every every living creature that, walks upon the earth was made from dirt, except for one. Eve was not made from dirt. She was fashioned from Adam. She was not made from from the ground, she was made from flesh. And I remember the very first time I ever read that, I asked myself the question, so why? why? Why doesn't God still propagate the species like he did then with Adam and Eve? Why doesn't he just pull children out of our sight? You know, give us some of that Jesus anesthesia, knock us out for the afternoon, you know, wake up and then you just pull another human being out of your side fully, fully. And I remember asking myself that question for many years. Why wouldn't God just do it that way? There's so many ways he could have done it. Why does he do it the way that he does it? Why do we have children the way that we do? And I asked that, I continue to ask that question, you know when? Until I had kids of my own. And then I stopped asking that question because I realized in the midst of that, whenever I started having children of my own, I realized that God had so much to teach me. That is why we have children the way that we do. The, the fact that God gifts us these helpless little gifts. The fact that he blesses us with these and he uses these children to teach us so many lessons. God uses my children to teach me patience. Amen? That was not a big enough amen for that. God uses our children to teach us patience. Amen? Amen. I mean, my children, some of the things they do, Teach me patience. You may disagree with me on this, but my son Asher, he is the slowest human being on the planet. Maybe you think your child is the slowest, but I promise you nobody is slower than old tortoise Asher. He is the slowest. He eats slow. He talks slow. He walks slow. He thinks slow. He just, he's just slow. He swims slow. We did swim lessons last week. We're like, Hurry up, boy, swim to the edge of the pool. You're gonna drown. God uses our children to teach us patience. God uses 
our children to remind us of our capability of infinite and uncompromising love. Amen? You know, I, I, I remember before we had children, I would go to the hospital and visit with families that did have children, and we'd go into the room there, and they'd have the little newborn, and the parents would just stare at their kid for hours. And I, I used to think, like, that's so weird. Why do they, I mean, there's perfectly good TV right there. You know when I stopped thinking that? When I had kids of my own. When I had kids of my own, I was reminded, and, and I remember when my, my first son and my second and then our third, when we, when we got them, when God gifted them to us, we just stared at them for hours. We didn't need a TV. And I remember looking at these beautiful, precious children that God had blessed me with and just looking at them and thinking to myself, how is it possible for me to love another human being as fiercely as I love this child? Uncompromising, infinite love. The Lord leads me via my children, all three of my kids, to pick up the phone and apologize to my parents for all the dumb, cruel, thoughtless, selfish, apathetic things that I have ever said or done to my parents. So many things as a child, just cruel, selfish, thoughtless, dumb. And then my kids do it to me, and it really hurts my feelings. And God reminds me. Our, our children, <clears throat> at least for me, the Lord uses my children to help me know and understand the way that my heavenly father sees me. Amen? You know, it's funny to, to be in the house and my children are doing something that they know they shouldn't be doing and I know that they're doing it. It's so funny to watch them look this way and look that and then reach out for the snack that they're not supposed to have yet things we do as children and, and they and we think we're pulling one over on our parents right we think they won't know I, I'm not going to say who but one of the children in my house is Mr. Pee Pee Pants he pees in the bed you know and it's not don't get me wrong peeing in the bed's not okay but but we don't like punish him for that we're not happy about it it's an accident though right well you know what we don't love is the fact that he hides it that he's deceitful about it that he makes his bed come in and, oh, the bed's made. That was sweet. Wait a minute. And I have to think to myself, whenever I see dumb stuff like that, I have to think to myself, is that what, is that what I do to you, God? That I think I'm pulling one over on you, but I'm not.
God uses children to teach us. And in this passage, this is the so what for us, you guys. God uses this passage and he uses children in this passage to continue to teach us a lesson. Look with me again in verse 14. It says, let the children alone. Do not hinder them from coming to me for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Did you catch that? The kingdom of heaven doesn't belong to children. The kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. If the kingdom of heaven only belongs to children, then what about me? What's the chance of me? But that's not what it says here. It says anyone who enters into the kingdom of heaven has to come like one of these little children, right? Such as these. In other words, in this passage, children They stand for something. They represent more than just children. They represent people who need the kingdom of heaven in their lives. We look at this passage and we see this and we we understand this, that that these children, they, they represent something. They signify something bigger than themselves. They stand for children, they, they, they show to us, they reveal to us the dependence, the need, the helplessness. And when we turn children away, but we also turn people that are just like these, they're needy, and maybe they're aggravating, or they're annoying, or whatever they are. But these are people that need the kingdom of heaven in their lives. And just like children, we are hindering them from coming to Jesus. Is that what we're doing as a faith family? Is that what we're doing as a church? The reality is how we minister to children is a good indicator of how we minister to all people that need the kingdom of heaven in their lives. Amen? You know, and and here's the thing. That's, that, that statement is so true because I've lived and been in churches and, and you look at churches and you go to that church and you see a children's ministry that's suffering and this small and, and the people in there are upside down and underwater and serving. And you know what the church is too? It's the exact same thing. How we minister to children is an indicator of how we minister to all people that are in need of the kingdom of heaven in their lives. If we hinder children, we will hinder others that don't know Jesus and need Jesus in their lives. That's why this is so critical for us. It's not just about the children, it's for all people that need the kingdom of heaven in their lives. That's the so what for me this morning. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that in this passage I mentioned uh, prior to this passage, Jesus is speaking about marriage and the fidelity of marriage. It's fantastic. And then afterwards, the, right after this, kind of sandwiched in between is this little passage. And after this, we talk about the rich young ruler. You guys know the story of the rich young ruler? I don't think it's a coincidence that this passage that talks about ch- uh, children and how they, and they are, uh, the kingdom of God is for them because they are helpless. They, they come to God helpless and in need. They can do nothing of their own. This is the purest example of the grace of God and how you approach God. You cannot, excuse me, you cannot approach God on your own. You cannot approach God and on your own power. So I think it's very interesting that we see this passage 
And following this passage is a man who came to Jesus and he says, teacher, I've done everything. I've followed all the law. I've followed all the commandments. How do I get into heaven? And he goes on in his conversation, his dialogue with Jesus. And the Bible says that he walks away from Jesus in despair. Because there's no place in the kingdom of heaven for him. How we minister to children is a good indicator of how we minister to all people that need the kingdom of heaven in their lives. And before you think, we got a pretty awesome children's ministry at Cross Point Church. That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is how you minister to children. Not we. How I minister to children how you as individuals it's not enough for us to hang our head, hat on an awesome family ministry at Cross Point Church it's for all of us all of us corporately and as individuals to contribute and minister to children because how we minister to them is how we minister to the rest of a lost and dying world 